We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast, Newcastle. Drew 1-1 at home to relegation threatened West Ham last night at St. James's Park. I'm Alex, you've got Charlotte, Mark, and Cy to talk you through what happened and why. First little note, we're on Patreon between three and eight pounds a month. Come and join us. Loads more shows this week on Newcastle United and of course we'll build up to Wembley and the cup final. But enough of that. Charlotte, uh, Newcastle drew 1-1. How do you feel about it? I feel fine. I don't feel elated and I don't feel gutted i feel fine that is a fine result it's not the best result it wasn't the best performance i'm sure we'll talk about that but ultimately i am trying to urge perspective with this whole thing um there are definitely things that need um attention in the training ground and i tweeted when i came away from the ground yesterday that you know there's more constructive criticism in my head of that performance than there has been in a little while but we're fourth, we we are in a cup final. It was always going to be a bit of a weird one, wasn't it, yesterday, because of the cup final, because there was so much energy and attention on those two semi-final legs. Um, we didn't have a game in between, so we just focused solely on Southampton for those two, that sort of week-long period or, or more with the build-up. And so it was always going to be a bit of a weird one yesterday, I think. So I feel fine. One one is it's not the result I was I was gunning for, but I'm I'm not gutted about it. Sai, you um, we we watched the match together. Uh, you know that this is for the listeners' benefit. <laughs> so we've talked something about the game before before we're hitting record today. You you kind of thought you know that maybe perspective is a little bit skewed in terms of West Ham's league position uh, and actually what what they have to offer. Yeah, that, that's certainly the case. I mean, me and Cowley on Thursday night on the preview managed to talk ourselves into a 4-5 nil win. because You, you, <laughs> you did. <laughs> to be fair, you did say it would be tight. I'll, I'll give you that. Me and Ben were, were getting carried away. Um, based on the fact that West Ham have been terrible away from home, they've really struggled to juggle European football. They've had a lot of injuries. And um, yeah, they're, they're 17th when we're, when we're playing them. So we were expecting it to be easier than it than it turned out to be um i think on reflection uh, that, that was very silly of us um i thought west ham were one of the better bottom half teams we've seen at st james's part of the season better than leeds better than palace better than bournemouth they gave us a game they didn't just hang on for dear life they gave us a game they, they gave us some problems um so yeah that that west ham side should be nowhere near the, the relegation zone and i think it looks like they've got pretty much their full strength team back nearly now so they look like they should really kick on a bit um so that that's a bit of perspective from my perspective but um i still think 
even if they end up finishing like 11th or 10th, we should be beating them at home, really. We should be beating them at home. Um, but, you know, um, it's it, there's, a, there's a learning curve there. We've had some injuries. We had Bruno missing. So, you know, not, I'm not going to get too carried away with that. I'll come back to individual performances a bit later. But, yeah, I think West Ham, I underestimated them. And I thought just the physicality they showed and the... the um, you said to me during the game that they're passing it much better than we are. They were passing it really accurately and 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 quickly, and it was one touch passing, and they were finding the way through, which we weren't doing. And you were absolutely right; like they were good, they were well drilled, and they looked really really up for this game. Whereas we were just a bit slower, a bit maybe maybe a bit arrogant because we started the game so well. Uh, we we just probably thought we we're going to breeze it, and it's actually not. These lads have come here to play, and they they got themselves back in the game, and we had a bit of a wobble right up to half time. We came out better second half, but yeah. I just think West Ham were better than any of us expected, and perhaps some of the lads on the pitch thought it was going to be easier than it was. Yeah, fair, fair comments. And you know, West Ham actually, Carol, if you called it pregame, it was going to be tight. They have one of the better defensive records in the Premier League, which is wild considering the start of the game in seventeenth place. But just to give listeners a flavour, um, teams that have a worse defensive record than West Ham: um, Liverpool, Fulham. Uh, Brentford, <laughs> Brighton, <laughs> Tottenham, and Man United have conceded the same number of goals as them. So, for, for I mean, this is not a West Ham podcast. They will want to say, "Well done to West Ham." West Ham did play well. I, I agree with you. So, I think that that performance is far more what people would expect of the West Ham of the last three years, and and just the quality of midfield. Declan Rice had a really good game. Um, Paqueta, who's you know allegedly struggled since arriving, looked like a really good footballer. Mm. Antonio was a handful of the Bartman handled him well. West Ham did okay, but Cowley, where, where do you stand on this good point, bad point? Like, what do you view in the, the performance? Um, as you said, putting the perspective, uh, I couldn't say it. <laughs> perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but I think people look at the game against Palace, um, Fulham, or, you know, we won that game in Leeds. And I think people saying you can't finish fourth or in the Champions League spots if it continues getting draws like this. But as you said, West Ham, like I said, in a false position at the minute. Um, they've picked up a little bit of form as well. I say the last couple of games, they've won 2-0 really. And um, yeah, I think it's been a really good week and what, what would happen over to get into Wembley. And we, I kind of, I've said in the prediction that I thought it'd be a tight game. I thought West Ham would come here, play back five. And they did, and they played really well. Um, so give I give credit to to them really. Um, but yeah, I mean we started we started really well. Um, really good fifteen of ten fifteen minutes. But um, like I say after that it was a little bit disappointing. But I think on on the whole um, it could be a good point um, in the fact that with Liverpool who are not going to see the pick up them many points in terms of how how far they are behind us at the minute and Chelsea. Again, they drew at the, at the weekend and Tottenham could lose today playing Man City. So it could be actually a good point in the end. And in terms of who we got f- coming forward, I'm going to put a positive spin on it in terms of that. I think we'll beat Bournemouth and I think we'll beat Liverpool. So if we're mm. looking at maybe a couple of weeks, this could not be, this may not be a bad point. And like I say, West Ham, we're, we're good. Um, like I say, it's fourth position, but I can see the frustrating, fr- frustrating from people that, let's like say, it's another draw. And if you keep drawing like this, you're not going to get Champions League football. We are the draw specialists. We've drawn a lot of games this season. Um, 10 out of 21 games. I think the Premier League record is 17, which we're on track to break. But of course, we have lost fewer than any other Premier League team. 
in one game, which is still very positive. And I, as much as this, this is the interesting thing, and this is football, isn't it? Because it's all about perspectives. I thought Newcastle were never ever going to lose that game yesterday, and it's another game where the opposition, from about sixty minutes, declared mm. with a point. David Moyes was like, "Nah, point." Get. I was quite close to David Moyes on the ground, and for the last half hour of the game, he was pointing back towards his own goal, shouting at his players to get back, get back, get back, get back. West Ham had a nice 20 minutes in the first half where they played well and Newcastle were on the ropes somewhat, but Nick Pope hasn't made a save Mm. and they scored from a set piece, which is frustrating and it was a relatively poor goal. They're all poor goals. There's no such thing as a good goal to concede, but it was a relatively poor goal to concede. Maybe Kieran Trippier could do better. He's marking Paqueta from the corner. He goes back onto the, the line, which I'm sure was planned, but ultimately, I, I don't quite buy this. So, some some reaction to the game, which was like, "Oh fucking hell, we're, we're lucky there." Or West Ham controlled that game, or West Ham dominated. None of that is true. None of that is true. Newcastle controlled the vast majority of that game. They had a bad twenty minutes in the first half, which happens. And um, I don't know whether you said it or, or you said it, Charlotte Sai or Sai. Um, that was that was frustrating, and that was that was annoying. But ultimately, Newcastle were the better of the two sides, but there wasn't a lot in it. I think in terms of the the context of the point, if you if you can't win, don't get beat, is the old mm-hmm. saying. We keep doing that. Um, Sai wants to come in, but I'm just going to make the point first, Sai, and you can add to it or ignore it if you want. I do think there is there is a conversation to be had about how Newcastle deal with teams in the bottom five of the Premier League at home, because that's our issue so far. Bournemouth, Palace, well, technically Palace home and away, they're not, they're not bottom five, but Bournemouth, Palace, Leeds, and now West Ham is probably 12 points or 10 points or 9 points to most teams in our position. And we've taken 4 or 5 if you include Palace away from them. So that it, it is a bit of a concern. There is the Bruno Gamara-shaped hole. There is the fact that Isak comes on there and, and maybe makes a difference. So there are mitigating circumstances, but it, it probably is something that we need to at least reference that when teams sit in, particularly as West Ham did for nearly all of the second half yesterday, we are kind of short on ideas. And maybe because of what you said, Charlotte, that it's just going to take some time. We can't go from relegation battlers to having all of the answers all of the time in the space of, you know, not even 12 months. Um, you know, this time 12 months ago, I think we're still in the relegation zone. So mm-hmm. the, there, is, there is some context there, but it's definitely a conversation that we or, or the club or the, I'm sure the coach and staff and the players need to have. I think um, we'll probably come back to individual performances a bit more, but um, we still created chances yesterday. Second half, we were the only team that looked like scoring and could have scored. Wilson had some good chances. Um, Gordon came on, looked very bright, and I think if we'd found him a bit more of the ball, you know, there's lots of positives there in terms of how we're going to answer that question of, of scoring more goals in these games. But um just wanted to pick up on the point Cowley said there about, about everyone seems to be worried now that drawing games means you don't get in the Champions League. And I think we had that conversation after the game yesterday, Dodzy, but... But before the World Cup, we drew six out of 15 and when we're third and we deserve to be third and we went in saying, bloody hell, we're going to get in the Champions League. So if we keep drawing a third of our games, it's not the end of the world. Like you say, we haven't lost any since uh, since Christmas. And if that, if that continues, I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about the draws. I'm worried about, you know, as long as we, as, as we win two, draw two, that's good. That's plenty of points on the board. So it's kind of... I don't want to get too worried about this draw. As long as we're drawing games where we're the better team and we're drawing games against teams that are desperately hanging on for a point, that's okay. That's what happens to good teams. And we'll have to find answers to that. But I'm, I'm quite encouraged by the fact that West Ham, who I thought were good, was still hanging on at the end of that game. Just a quick point there, sorry. Um, as well as that, people say, oh, you've got to beat teams like West Ham or like 
at Leeds at home in terms of to get top four. But we still we are still a good away from home as well. Yeah. Like it's not been previous seasons where it's a case of we've had terrible away form and it's like, well, we need to win the home games. We we can turn we go to West Ham, we can beat them. Um so it's not a case of <laughs> you just gotta win your home. Like we are good and we do win away from home now. We are, you're right. And this is the thing. I mean, we're, we're going to break for for part one um, now, and and we'll talk maybe more about that in the, the second part of the show. If you don't want to listen to these adverts, join us on Patreon. This podcast goes up on there without any of them back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we should talk about individual performances, uh, and we'll go right back to the beginning, but not the very beginning, which was Joe Willock's brilliant goal, which is disallowed. Celebrated heartily, because there was an assumption, certainly where we were in the ground, that the linesman has a good view. It's got to be a goal, and certainly the rest of the players, I think, assume that as well, mm. even though Miguel Alaron probably knew it was out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, our players do struggle a bit with VAR. You know, that's not the first time Newcastle players dived <laughs> in the penalty area in the age of VAR to get a yellow card, Joe Linton, uh, later on. But Callum Wilson goes through, and it's, it is just a great moment. You know, we had a great, mo- we had a couple of great moments on on Tuesday night, and we'll have St James's Park recently. But in terms of scoring as quick, basically from the restart from that goal kick, scoring as quickly as we did, um, great ball from from Longstaff, even better finish from Callum Wilson. And he was back, wasn't he? You know, Wilson, a lot of discussion about him. No Isaac on the bench, breathing down his neck today. But an absolutely brilliant goal, a brilliant moment. And who wants to kind of analyze Callum Wilson for me, Charlotte? I, I will. I will do that. Um, yeah, it was a lovely goal. I thought Callum Wilson's game overall was very good. It was back to kind of, you know, something that we've seen um, over the past few games that he started it has been a... a a lack of athleticism, not running for the ball, not running on the keeper, not not getting into position quickly enough. I thought that that was certainly improved yesterday. It was almost back to old Callum Wilson form. Uh, the goal was lovely, one on one with the keeper, and just yeah, and celebrated. You know, it, again back to that Callum Wilson. Uh, yeah, of course I scored. 
of course that's good. <laughs> like he had that, he used to have that attitude, like, what did you expect? That's what I do. Um, so yeah, very, very pleased. I think, you know, I don't want to go too far with it all. There were a couple of chances later on in the game that Callum Wilson absolutely should have put away and didn't. So having, you know, but having said that, going from uh, should this man even start to a, that was a, like, of course he would start. I think having Isak probably does, I think I said this on the instant reaction on, on Patreon, even though Isak was for concussion protocol, I think not not even on the bench yesterday, I think knowing that he's excellent, can stretch the game, is going to um, fire up Callum Wilson a little bit, and we can see that happening. Um, he's also been blighted with um, illness and things like that, which have affected his ability to train, I believe. So clearly that's that's not been the case the last couple of weeks. He's been... But I, just from what I saw yesterday, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any insider scoop on the training ground, but I felt that he looked fitter. He looked more like after it. Um, and it was, it was a much improved performance, which was good to see. I think he was, he was making the runs, wasn't he? Whereas yeah. I think uh, last week and, and in the past few weeks, he hasn't, it's not only that he's been quiet, but he's not really been getting into positions and getting chances. He's not been getting the ball in the box. Whereas uh, he certainly did plenty of times yesterday. He was fed through, that goal he was fed through late in the game by Anthony Gordon with an unreal through ball and last ditch tackle from I think it's Aguard or, or Ogbon I wasn't sure who got it but it was a really good tackle and what you'd think Wilson probably should have shot a bit sooner and just put it away like he did the first goal um, he also gets a chance with a header which again he probably should do better with but he's in the positions again he's making those runs and I, th- I noticed a lot of times yesterday and we'll talk about the midfield I'm sure but uh, he was making runs and not getting that ball he was, he was using it he was anticipating where to go and he was trying to kind of find space and we were just too slow in getting the ball to him. This is the Callum Wilson that we used to see him making space, making runs, trying to find gaps, and uh, we just didn't find him enough. I don't think it was him. I think it was the the uh, the slow build up of the rest of the team, really, that that kind of let not let him down. But you know what I mean. He, he was uh, he was he was bright. He was he was a good Callum Wilson. And you're right, Charlotte, because if Isaac hadn't been concussed, most people now were saying that he should be starting ahead yeah. of Wilson. So Wilson's probably aware of that and saying, right, I'm gonna have to pull myself together here and, and put in a performance and he did we, we said that didn't we on the preview oh, i said it myself and got it completely wrong in terms of isaac <laughs> if he was fit at the start but yeah um obviously callum wilson it, the goal it's a great goal like he took it really well it, like i say it's a callum wilson the old the runs he made and i would say it, it was a worry when we were saying it's he's not getting them positions he's not getting them chances if he'd been getting them chances and just not scoring that's kind of like right the goal's gonna come but he hadn't but yesterday i was like say he got three chances like I say he'd be disappointed that he didn't score his second one when Gordon played him through um, you just expect them Calamos after the first goal to score that but yeah I mean it was a great last ditch tackle but yeah he just needed that didn't he um, and hopefully like I say not scoring again Great to see him on the score sheet that's one of my favourite things in James's point Castle's number nine sticking the ball in the back of the net particularly as emphatically as he did like I said great moments great atmosphere um, in the immediate period after that Isak's a real miss, though. This is the thing. I came away from that game buzzing for Callum Wilson, but then thinking if Isak's even on the bench, they would probably win that game. When teams are pinned back like they were, he causes chaos by... You know, Newcastle, in the last 10 minutes of the game, have a lot of ball at the edge of the box, and inevitably they kind of keep going wide, and it was, it was frustrating because if you've got the ball on the D outside the penalty box and you've got four players in the box, we, you know end up looking for Kieran Trippier and then Kieran Trippier's got to put a ball in which is a much lower percentage of of scoring as good as his crosses are 
uh, from open play. And then, you know, sometimes we'd go left and, and Dan Byrne ends up with the ball and it was back. And that's, that's part of football. You've got to recycle the ball. You've got to try something new, try again. I just felt if Isaac had been there, he's an absolute master at finding space. He's an absolute master at the half turn, at, at one twos, that kind of thing. So even though it was great to see Wilson, I did kind of go away from that game thinking if Isaac's fit, we'll probably win. I think what Isaac also does is very well is collect, collect the ball and brings it down to the, to the goal. Um, yesterday, I don't know if, it's the same for you guys but I really felt like we just we would get the ball and then we just weren't moving it we were so still there was a real lack of um movement of of getting the ball into positions that we could score from and it, it it's almost this this slowness I, d- I don't know I, I don't know how else to describe it we'd we'd get it maybe on the break or something we'd get it sort of three quarters of the way up the pitch and then we'd just stop at the, taking too many touches giving West Ham a chance to get into positions and then and then being completely unable to move the ball and I found that very frustrating and I agree I think Isak would have broken that up a little bit because he's very pacey as well and what we also saw which I'm sure we'll talk about is um, Anthony Gordon was able to break that as well because he's he's got loads of pace and he was dipping and diving and not diving but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going I'm to take this opportunity to, to develop that point. Um, yeah, I, I was really frustrated uh, with us in possession yesterday. Um, you know, I've been a big advocate of Sean Longstaff, and I'm not just going to single him out here. I thought the the three in midfield were all doing exactly what you just said, Charlotte, taking too many touches, mm-hmm. passing the ball too slowly, or passing the ball behind them, their, their teammates. So they've got to turn around, take a bad touch. And by the time they've got themselves, got the ball back under control, West Ham are back in position. You know, they've put they've put the two wing backs back in the back five and then it's like five, three, come on, then try and get through this. And we didn't know what to do. Maximan went very quiet after his early start. Um, Miggy struggled again. As soon as it, as soon as he's crowded out, Miggy, he, ha- he isn't he isn't good enough on the ball to do much with with players around him. Um, so that you're exactly right, Dodgy. We end up forcing the ball as wide as possible. Dan Burns trying to float balls into the box, which Fabianski just collects with ease. Trippier's having to float balls in. And Fabianski, to be fair, he had, he had a good game. You know, he, he, he was there when they needed him. He, he plucked everything out of the air. So that wasn't going to work. And uh, there was these little balls being popped in in and out to Wilson. And he was trying to find it, but he pops it back to Longstaff. And it's like, just get a shot off, Sean. Like, I know we've been critical of your shooting, but someone's just <laughs> got to have a go there rather than he takes a touch, he turns around, he goes back out to share. And there's, we, we ended up like panicking around the back and losing the ball sometimes with that as well. So I just thought, our general passing and general Christmas wasn't as good as West Ham, more importantly as well. So that I was frustrated in that respect of how slow our build-up plays, and that's how much we miss Bruno because Bruno moves the ball more quickly. He moves it far more accurately, and he will find those killer balls to Miggy, to Maximan, to Isaac when he's fit, um, and to Wilson, uh, whereas we didn't we didn't play many key passes yesterday. There wasn't much creativity in that sense. It was kind of we, we were the better team, and we carved out probably enough chances to count on one hand, but beyond that, I thought we were frustrating with with how much of the ball we had i mean that brings us nicely onto the midfield really and just to stick up for them a little bit although i do agree <laughs> with the point and i was making that point all game like west ham's <laughs> passing could be crisper because there were less passes they were constantly playing the ball forward not to anyone in particular but like mm-hmm. if you hire ball somewhere in antonio's direction he, he because he played well tends to get on the end of it and mm-hmm. you know per in particular is actually a good a good example of what you just described, Sai, of if he used the ball really well and he was he was quick with it. This is the thing, it's the speed of ball that let were down yesterday. Mm. But there was also a constant fear that the only way West Ham were going to win this game was with a counter-attack. So I, I'm trying to be kind to some of the lads to thought it's worth, particularly at the back or particularly in midfield, moving the ball a little bit more slowly to make sure there was some level of accuracy and the ball just isn't given away. Because we did do that, particularly from 
Fabian Cheyeste tried to force it and then end up giving the ball away in, in quite heinous circumstances that nothing bad actually came of of the result. But let's talk about the midfield. Carly, I'll go with you. No Bruno. Now, I don't want to just sit here and do a podcast saying, well, Bruno wasn't fit, so of course we didn't win because I don't think that's fair on the rest of the players. It's not how football works. And even if Newcastle had won 2-0 yesterday, they still would have missed Bruno Guimaraes. So I don't know how much relevance he can place on the result because they've still got three players who play midfield for Newcastle playing in midfield. How do you think it went for those three? Um, I think I was really disappointed with Willock's performance. Um, he never really gotten got in the game, didn't did he? Um, I think we when we we had Bruno missing a few a couple of months ago, didn't we, for a few games? Yeah. And I felt it was the same back then. I think Sean Longstaff and I think Joe Linton played well. I think Sean Longstaff did all right as well. Um, but like Sai said, I was going to make the point. Yeah, it was just a case of they didn't move the, move the ball quick enough, really, in that midfield, and they kind of become a little bit kind of predictable. Um, especially Willock, um, there was a passes where they were coming into him and then it was kind of like, I think it was a couple of times with Almiron where where Bruno has built a really good play of Almiron and he tried that same ball that, that yeah. Bruno's tried and it's worked, but Willock tried it a couple of times and it just just didn't really. Um, but for overall, in terms of Joel Linton performance, he, he played well in that midfield, um, kind of dominated, even though, I mean, Declan Rice was, was excellent um, for them. I think he dictated the play and I think he got the better of of Willock in there and a couple of times yeah Sean Longstaff he had the chance at the edge it kind of felt on the edge of the box a couple of times and he felt from tuned performance he's just going to hit it here but then it went out wide and then it kind of slowed the play down again and we didn't get the cross in um so overall I think yeah Longstaff and Joel Linton were, were okay um but yeah Willock for me was disappointing and I think it was frustrating in terms of when we just mentioned about Shaw and um Botman there they give the ball away probably quite a bit more time than they normally do because I don't know if it was a case of they were trying to get the ball into them and it just wasn't coming off but even them were misplaced and passed but yeah we're quite sloppy um, at times um, but I think that 20 minutes in the first half really um, was the most disappointing and then the second half we did kind of obviously have more possession but just say nothing really created we didn't really create much what we like with Bruno being in there and some of the passes he can make they can't Any other thoughts in the midfield? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they had two players in midfield in Rice and Paqueta and we had three and their midfield pretty much controlled the game uh, for large portions I think second half as we said they, 20 they, minutes man yeah, I'm well, not having that not having that, they you keep saying 20 the minutes, but after, after 15 minutes they, they had the first half so give them half an hour um, second half we, we sorted it out and then they took Paqueta off after about 60 um, and then settled for the draw they just you know they, they battened down the hatches um, and they took Antonio off as well I thought the one thing that he, he was he was incredible yesterday. He was he was like he was like Rondon of old. That, that, you know, <laughs> he, you know when when we when we were hend in getting the ball out to a centre forward, you just can't get the ball off. Um, he, he gave Botman and Cher a real hand. Like both of them had a lot to deal with with him. Uh, and then you got Jared Bowen, who's also a big, strong lad, and like they were really really physical. And I thought that that showed in midfield as well. Joe Linton did a really decent job of, of battling, but you know they were pretty much out, out battling us across the pitch for, for periods. Um, now, we're going to talk about the ref again, probably, because he didn't help us out much. Um, he was given nothing and, uh, again, failed. Every time a West Ham player went for a header and fell down, they got a free kick, yeah, which yeah. is infuriating. Joe Linton, really quickly, I thought he played really well. He was the best midfielder by far. Mm. Um, so stupid, that dive. And that could yeah. have been a real problem for us because West Ham broke several times after that and he couldn't make a tackle, uh, which is annoying. The interesting thing on Joe Linton, because I thought Joe Willick... You're right, Cowley. After about after the first fifty, he was mint in the first fifteen minutes, but he was on the right, yeah. and then suddenly he had um, they they 
how made the decision to put him back on the left to put Joe Linton back in the middle because we kind of needed him there when West Ham were controlling him. And as soon as he put Joe Linton back in the middle, they found it far more difficult to come through. So it was a it was the correct move, but it meant that Willock was back on the left. And I just think he's that 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 good on the left. He doesn't look natural. I think he's he's a right footed player who looks like he should be playing on the right, but he as soon as he's moved out to the left, I thought he he, he fell out the game. You're right, um, but. It was the right thing to do to put Joe Linton in the centre of that midfield because we were getting overrun during that period. It's been a little while now for Almiron, hasn't it? It just it, it, whether it's teams working him out, whether it's just the you know just how football goes. You have you have a purple patch, you have a quiet spot, and and that's okay. I don't think anyone's calling from to be dropped, but but every game now I'm thinking, oh, it's be you know we could do with something nice and an attacking sense from from Miggy, and it hasn't really happened. Of course, he would have been involved, he would have had an assist if he kept the ball in play. Uh, at the start and just to your point there so I think Willock doesn't score that goal which isn't a goal but he doesn't score that if he's on the left and that's the problem for him isn't it we should move on though to um to the big question I think for next week in, in the in the minds of a lot of supporters and that is ASM now first start for five months yesterday in the Premier League though he has been fit since the start of November in theory available for selection and he didn't have a good game he did not have a good game at all he I think he went past his man once in the first half and nothing came of it. Uh, who wants to talk about ASM and if he needs... Already people are saying he needs dropped. I don't think anyhow is that kind of manager. I think he'll play at Bournemouth myself. But what do you think, Charlotte? I think it is a tall order to expect someone who hasn't started in five months to just have a belter of a game. Um, he has had some time on, um, on, on the pitch. I think he... Sh- he, he he had a good sort of first 10, 15. I think he was having fun with it. He's the sort of player that teams work out very quickly. You just put, you just crowd him. You just crowd him because he's not going to pass the ball. He's going to hold it at his feet for too long. And then it's go, you're going to frustrate him. And he also, I think he probably needs to work a little bit on his mentality around that because he was clearly getting frustrated. He was trying to ask for the ball and he wasn't getting it. And he was just throwing his arms up. And... um and I think a lot of criticism comes from him walking back rather than running back to position. I don't really have an issue with that. If the ball's nowhere near him, he can he can if he wants to conserve his energy, fine. Um having said that, it wasn't it wasn't the ASM of old. I think the big question is whether or not he fits into how Eddie Howe wants to set this team up, how um how Eddie Howe wants to sort of set the team up mentally and things like that. Psychologically, does he fit in? I said on the um, instant reaction, he had said in an interview or possibly on his Twitter or Instagram or something like that, that he was really excited for people to see what he could do with Isak. And obviously Isak didn't play. So perhaps that's that that inability to kind of collect and stretch the game that Callum Wilson has. I don't want to say inability. That's not what I mean. But it's just not his it's not his game. Um that maybe fed into it. I'm looking. I'm. I'm. I'm scraping the barrel a little bit, but I'm looking. I'm not looking for excuses, but I'm. I just. I don't think he's going to get dropped for Bournemouth. What What are our other options? Jacob Murphy's not going to start the game. Like, how are you going to move everybody around for that? I. I don't think that's. Um, Sorry, wants to interrupt you. You think he is? No, I, I mean, I, I would definitely play Gordon, yeah. but I understand what you're saying. Right. Yes, you're right. Oh God, I forget that he exists. <laughs> he was really good. I'm sure we'll talk about him. We he was will. really, really good as well. And I've just deleted him from my memory. You're absolutely right. I still don't think that Gordon starts though because of where he's so, still so new. And that just isn't how Eddie Howe 
um, does it. He seems to, you know, he drip feeds these new players. He gets them with, with minutes in their legs before starting them. So I definitely think we'll see him now that I've remembered he exists. But um, yeah, I, d- I don't think he's going to get dropped from the starting lineup for Bournemouth. I might be wrong. I've yeah. been wrong before. Yeah, no, so, so good was Gordon's cameo. I think he, he's in with a shout because he just looked so bright and he, he gave us something different. Um, there's a few things going on with Max Mann, isn't there? I still don't think he looks fit, uh, like match fit. He's obviously been fit to play for, for quite a while now, but the, he's an explosive player who has to have burst. You know, he runs with the ball. It's quite tiring. Um, he makes a lot of runs, as you say, and when we're, when as discussed before, when we're not finding him with those passes, when we're too too slow to switch the play because he has lots of space on the left-hand side, but yeah. when the ball's with with Trippier and he looks inside and by the time it's gone through Longstaff, Joe Linton-Willick, Maxi's marked out the game and then it was happening the other way as well. Um, I think he's a confidence player. Mm. I think he looks like his confidence has shot a little bit. He wasn't getting the ball down and running at his man like he used to. Um, and I do think... I don't know if he's feeling a bit. He looks like he's feeling a bit sorry for himself. He feels a bit look like no one, no one's celebrating. No, one no he's not. Me. He's not. He's not the big fish anymore. And, yeah. and all of that used to like he used to like having a bit of an ego and being the, the player that we relied on. So there's all of that. Um, equally, I thought West Ham were, were handled him well. You know, they, they didn't look scared of him, which I thought. You know, most teams look terrified of Maxi on the ball, whereas he was on the ball and the, they just had two defenders saying, "Come on, then have a go, try and try and beat me." And he, like you say, Dodds, he only managed to do it once. Um, but to defend him a little bit, he's then got he's got our most defensive midfield lineup really, and not many players were getting up with him. When he did get the ball, there wasn't really any support. And you mentioned on the instant reaction dodds that he needs a proper fullback with him because Dan Byrne doesn't really overlap. He doesn't even take a man away. He just kind of stays back on the halfway line. And to be, to be fair, he was up against Jared Bowen. He had a lot on his plate in this particular game, so it wasn't really the game for Dan Byrne to be bombing on. But all of that makes the game harder for Maximan. So I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I, th- I think you're right, Charlie. He probably will play the next game, albeit, as we'll talk about, I would start Gordon because he was class. Yeah, I'll develop that point a little bit because ASM constantly has three men on him. He still has yeah. the respect of the opposition. And it's very hard for him to do something positive. However, because his decision-making is poor, instead of just recycling the ball a lot and going backwards and starting again and trying to shift the opposition... He always tries to force it. He tries a pass that doesn't work. He tries to take someone on. And and, and the crowd were getting frustrated with him yesterday. And it's this real issue. We're going to talk about Gordon imminently. But the last 10 minutes of that game, even though Gordon was playing class and Gordon was is far more roaming and willing to go into the middle of the pitch and all that kind of stuff, I just thought this would be great for ASM because we had the ball on the edge of the penalty box. We had the ball at the side of the penalty box. And you needed someone who was going to try and go past a player and... Maybe his role, if he's only here for another six months, and that's a big if, by the way. I, d- I don't know that for certain, but people seem to suggest, like you just said there, si, is he is he an Eddie Howe player? How could have used him a lot more this season than he has, and he hasn't. Um, is he going to be better as an impact sub? And I, and I hate to say that because he's been one of my favourite players for a long time, but the way that Newcastle play right now is not... He is not suited to Newcastle, and Newcastle mm-hmm. are not suited to him mm-hmm. in most situations. That is obvious. He doesn't have a fullback. Newcastle essentially play with three centre-backs. They're all absolutely class. Um, there's no way in a world am I saying drop down Byrne to accommodate Anderson Maximin. It would be ridiculous. Byrne was good defensive yesterday, bad offensively. I think you're going to get that from Dan Byrne in most Premier League games, and everyone's comfortable with that. The only thing I'd... I don't know if I recommend it, but I wouldn't mind seeing it tried... You saw, saw you mentioned there that, that the midfield three swap positions a little bit yesterday. Would ASM have, have had more joy in the right for a little bit with Kieran Trippier behind him making that kind of space? You know, I, I, I don't... I, 
It's a hard one because Newcastle are so good. They've lost one game this season. They're fourth in the league, five points clear at the time of recording of fifth place. You know, saying Eddie Howe should do this or they should try this or this kind of stuff, it almost seems ridiculous. But Trippier is such a good fullback. I just wonder what ASM would be like, even in the middle of a game of him and maybe swapped sides for a little bit. It would be really interesting to see what he could do with the kind of space Trippier provides his wingers. Mm, I think there'd be a bit of a gamble on the grounds that the, the, the what's worked for Eddie House so far as players knowing their positions, knowing their instructions. Yeah, so if you start tinkering during the game and saying, right, you have a go on the right, you go on the left, it sounds great in practice. And we all say it in the stands regularly, like, well, I don't want to just try swapping yeah. the ringers around mm. and see what happens. But in, in practice, it's not that easy. Once, you, once you're settled in a position, you know, you know where you're supposed to run, you know where your man is. Getting chucked to the other side of the pitch for half an hour, you have to adjust to that. And I think... It's a bit of a gamble against the West Ham side who did look quite dangerous. And if we were making mistakes in those situations, it might not have ended well for us. So I can understand why that probably wasn't the game for that. Albeit, there is a question to be answered about what we do against these teams now because that's the, the fourth kind of home game in a row that someone's made it really difficult for us. And if we hadn't got that goal against Fulham late on, we'd be talking about four draws. And it's like, yeah, um, there's there's a solution to be found. I just don't know what it is. I don't, I'm not sure if, if swapping wingers is it. I don't know if it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we ever done Maxi on the right. How we played oh. him on the right before? Yeah, um, but I don't know if it's just a case that when Maxi was playing better at the start of the season, he had target, didn't he? Yeah, playing. I just don't think that burning Maxi kind of works. And there's a couple of times in our corner where you've seen Maxi could have just probably played it back to Dan. I don't know if you just trust him in terms of Dan Burn. The crosses he can put in is, is not great. As we've seen yesterday, there was a couple of float balls went straight to Fabianski. Um, but I don't know if he just thinks right. I'm going to do it myself. Um, but also he's kind of he's wanting to impress it and he's wanting to actually do something and it's if there's kind of an audition to kind of start keeping playing it, it obviously didn't do well it just, for me it kind of was a performance where you just think he's not a how player anymore and it's kind of like somebody he's, he's gone really um and for him i really want him to do well yesterday but like i say the fans were getting on his back a bit and he could hear it it obviously t- doesn't help the time back and see the frustration i think in terms of a couple of times he even though he did it in the second half track back, but a couple of times he just didn't track back, he was jogging back, and then a time where the ball should have come, he just didn't show his body in the West Ham got an attack from that. So, yeah, it was an all-round disappointing performance for him. Anthony Gordon, we'll finish on a positive. <laughs> I thought he was absolutely fucking class. thought he was massive, really big physical player. Um, in the, the club's, uh, you know, NUFC TV behind-the-scenes thing where he's going around meeting all the players. He just looks like this really tall, lanky child. <laughs> but on the pitch, in the flesh, he just looked like a big lad who who, who was a real physical presence and, and in no way can be physically dominated, in my opinion, by a fullback. You don't see wingers like him over six foot very often. Um, I just thought he was brilliant. He wants to talk to me about him. Oh, good, yeah. Um, yeah, he was lively, wasn't he? Come on straight away and you just think like, how's he going to time again in the game? Because he hadn't played much football recently, has he? He didn't mm. really play for Evan um, a lot before he moved to us. But but yeah, he just looked really good. Um, I think, as we've said, what we were lacking yesterday in terms of how quickly we were passing the ball around, he came on and straight away it was kind of that, it was qu- much, much quicker. Um, and you just seen his awareness around him as well. Um, so like I say, he wouldn't get to get on the ball and just, like I say, there's some nice touches at the edge of the box. Um Great ball to, to Wilson as well. Um, like I say, shame he couldn't finish there, but massive impact straight away, really. Um, and I know we said how, like, how, how um, will kind of, and we said it, better him in kind of the team and not bring him in straight away. But like I say, just from Maxi's performance yesterday, what, what Gordon did in that kind of 20 minutes, it's kind of like, uh, like it would start him next week, maybe. Um, I just think 
why not put him in there? To be honest, he's, he's played well there. He looked sharp. I say, I don't know what his fitness is like, but from that, from that kind of appearance, he, he was, he was cl- looked class. He clearly really wants it, doesn't he? He's like, he wants this. He, he has seen, he got a taste at the um, semi-final of 52,000 people shouting his name and singing his name. And I think he knows how how much of a legend he would be here if he if he stayed for a while and, and did some good stuff. So I think he really wants that. I think he's quite, um, I think he's got that kind of, Wilson-esque arrogance about him. He knows his game is good and he knows he could be absolutely mint um, with the right coaching, with the right team and opportunities. And he wants it. And I love that about him. I think that's, it's just really exciting. You could see it the moment he came on the pitch. Definitely, definitely. It was a great ball, like you say, for, for Callum Wilson. Yeah, there was this one of the moment he picks up the ball, I think this first touch, he picks up the ball on the, on the touch line. Yeah. Uh, turns inside and, and fizzed a really hard pass into Longstaff in the middle. It's like, I, you need to come up to my level. I'm going to pass the ball to you hard and quick, and we're going to try and break here because he's probably sitting on the sideline watching exactly what we're watching, saying, lads, he's need to pass it quicker because for that first 15 minutes, he did that, and then they were finding him, and then Byrne was finding him up the line quite quickly. After after about 15 minutes, I felt a bit sorry for Gordon because he was he was our outlet. We immediately identified, if we're going to get a goal, it's going to come through him. And then the same thing, we had the ball on the right and Gordon's in loads of space. And I don't know why we can't just find a switch. We never switched the play. We just pass it inside and slowly move it across. And then by they've done that, West Ham are playing five at the back now. You know, it's not it's not the kind of fluid three, four, three that they started the game with. They've got a back five and they've just got someone on them. And it, yeah, it's this 50-minute cameo, which was class, quickly became a frustrating one for him towards the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, Carly. I, I would start him. I was... Worried about Maximan. I don't like to see his career fizzle out the way it is go, going. But he's Gordon looks unreal, and uh, you d- it just it's something new. It's something that other teams won't have prepared for because we are becoming a bit easy to plan for in terms of what we're going to do. If Bournemouth are looking at that, going bloody hell! If he starts, we're in trouble here. Well, I hope they are in trouble, and uh, you know, five. Th- it's the the first of the three five thirties yeah. is out of the way. Uh, Sky really like us in that slot, even though we, we draw most Premier League games. Um, and I think we'll call it there. Thanks so much for your contributions. Uh, and also thanks to everybody for listening. Again, final plug for Patreon. Lots more chat about Anthony Gordon ASM this week on our Patreon podcast, I'm sure, as we build up to Bournemouth and beyond. Uh, there's a link in the description to this podcast uh, to come and join us there. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.